Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor and the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We're also on Dash Radio on their Nothing But Net channel every single weeknight at 7 p.m. Also check out Five Reasons YouTube channel. Subscribe for free. You'll get all of our content, including before floor, an hour before every Heat game. I'm on there with Greg every single game. Also post up 5R as soon as the Heat game ends. And check out FiveReasonsSports.com for the latest takeaways from Brady Hawk and other on all the South Florida teams, including the Heat. And check out the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks so much to Quarterdeck for hosting us in Davie tonight. Had a great time with some Five Reasons contributors and others from the community who listen to the podcast. So we, of course, appreciate that. Quarterdeck with many locations in South Florida, in Broward County, from Davie all the way to Dania. And, of course, they've got great sushi, great wings, great buffalo shrimp, great drinks, the whole deal. Check out Quarterdeck. And if you're in Miami, check out our other sponsor, City Cigar Lounge. That's going to be one of our new spots down there in Dade. They have a little, they have a great little food menu there, but the big deal there is they've got more than 50 different types of premium cigars, more than 350 different types of liquor, and it's a quiet, cool, comfortable environment right down the street from FTX Arena. So check out Quarterdeck if you're in Broward, and check out City Cigar Lounge if you're in Dade. And now, tonight's episode. Down Five on the floor, ride for my dogs. Where here's the thing, you can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buck to say, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor plan, got an all band. Y'all seen the block, stop with one hand. And Pat, we trust, it's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat, y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. Welcome back to Five on the Floor. I'm your host, Greg Sylvander. Uh, with me on this episode, we have Alex Toledo. You can follow him on Twitter at Tropical Blanket and Brady Hawk. You can follow him at Brady Hawk 305. You can find me at Greg Sylvander. Um, tonight's floor plan, we are going to dissect what took place up in Toronto. Uh, the Miami Heat, unfortunately, walked away with a 110-106 loss to the Toronto Raptors. Uh, there were some things that I thought were worth taking away, and we'll discuss uh, positive and negative. But ultimately, the Miami Heat are uh, face-to-face with their second uh, three-game losing streak of the season. So uh, I'm sure fans everywhere are going to be very nervous, and we're going to get the dirty pants for a few days until the Miami Heat can correct this. Um, but I guess I'll start here. Bam on a bio took a lot of heat for the way he looked the last couple games, particularly in Boston with guys out. Um, I just want to just right up front say that what he did tonight, the way that he took the ball to the basket, the, um, the bounciness with which he dribbled the basketball as people were guarding him. That is, that's what I want to see. Like, and I think that that's what fans collectively are looking for. Like when he had that, that little pep in his step, like that bouncy thing where, you know, dudes can't guard you. Like 
he needs to recognize he has that in almost every matchup that he's uh, playing with. And I know that it's not always part of game flow, confidence, lots of different factors. So all I want to say is that what we saw from Bam tonight, I think he's capable of doing more of it. But like the fact that you know that that's in there, we got to give the dude a little bit of grace, I think, as he gets back from these injuries and we've had all these ins and outs. So ultimately, me being a Bam Adebayo apologist, that's the way I'm starting the podcast. Uh, Brady, I'll start with you because you got your takeaways up. So you've had the chance to digest this probably quicker than Alex or I. Um, what were the things that jumped out at you? I mean, I think that there's some different avenues we can go down, but just generally, uh, I thought turnovers were, were still problematic ultimately. And, um, and Toronto just had more at the end. Uh, the Heat had a 15 point lead and ended up, I think it was, I heard on the broadcast that then it was 40 to 20 from that point, Toronto went on a run and the Heat just couldn't recover. What did you see in the game that, uh, really looked problematic overall? Uh, I do want to start out and talk about Bam for a second to say that it looked like he corrected a lot of the things from the last Toronto matchup. Uh, me and Alex read that game, and so we kept pointing out was that he wasn't really taking advantage of the mismatches when when guys were down low. Coming in this game early on, he was taking advantage of that mismatch, and he was going up with it immediately in the post, going into those post hooks and things like that. But the difference was later in that game, you saw him just adjust with the flow of the game where you're mentioning him having that pep in his step. Uh, he's a totally different player when he has momentum coming down the floor. Like there was some times where he got the lob uh, just in the fast break, but there was times where he went, I think it was maybe before the half where he did a nice little hesitation right before the half went left, got a little scoop layup. Like there's times like this where when he gets this little face up momentum and he gets moving toward the basket and it's why people's constantly scream for uh, maybe added screening and verted pick and rolls, because when the guy gets about some momentum and gets going towards the rim, He's just, there's no one that can really stop him. Like, it's just such a hard player to stop. And you see him getting to the line at elite level. Uh, that's just, he's just a hard player to stop in general. Uh, talking about the problems from this game, I think the biggest thing to me that stands out is that this is another game where late game offense just really sticks out. And it's against the same team that it happened to last time. Uh, and it's almost in completely different ways. For one, yes, they're without Kyle Lowry or they're without a main piece of how this offense would run probably late in the game, but they still have a decent amount of players late closing lineup that'll probably be on the floor uh, when that comes around. So I'm looking at the last Toronto game where Jimmy's basically spamming on ball actions, uh, kind of taking over offensively. This one, it felt like he wasn't even included in any of the on ball actions late in this game. So it pretty much flipped both these games. There was issues down the stretch. I think the issue was to me for about maybe from the four to the two minute mark, they were working everything through PJ Tucker and Caleb Martin. Uh, and that's when things come problematic. When you have Bam, Tyler, and Jimmy on the floor, and they're kind of the bystanders, and there's seven seconds left on the shot clock, and you're looking for a handoff to Kayla Martin to make a play, that's just kind of where you're at. That's the issue you are. You're putting yourself in a hole in that way that it just seems like they get away from a lot of the base things that they run late in games. Uh, and I think that's just something that's it, – it's simple. That's something that they have a weakness in and they have to get better at. It's early enough in the season that they're at the midway part that they can improve in that, but it is just a clear thing that we've seen this season develop. The one thing that sticks out that they really do need to progress in. Yeah, no, the, the late game stuff continues to haunt them. Um, and it, it's weird because you think like matchup specific, certain guys get hot at certain times that maybe you'd want to feed different players, but they haven't established anything that you feel like is like the go-to 
sets and the go-to guys late in games. I mean, it's been Jimmy, but I, I just, it, it still just looks a little in the mud um, ultimately. And this game they were playing, they, like it wasn't even that way from the standpoint of they were just trying to play catch up there at the end. But we, we keep seeing these things over and over again. Uh, the way they defended the three-point line, 12 of 26, I mean, uh, that that's you're not going to win that way, especially when you're shooting 8 of 30. That's only 26%. So that was difficult. Alex, um, I'll go to you here. More about um, Tyler. I, I think I'll, I'll, that's where I kind of want to go. And I want to get your takeaways too. So, so definitely, if you want to lead with those, feel free. But I'm interested in your perspective about Tyler Hero because there were moments where he was clearly getting picked on out there again. And this is something that I keep seeing. And I love Tyler Hero. So for me to call it out, uh, it hurts to do. But I mean, he's getting hunted at times. Uh, I thought that there was moments towards the end of the game that he kind of made up for what was otherwise kind of a lackluster game. The turnovers are bothering me. He's making really errant passes like over and over again in consecutive possessions. It's tough. So uh, your general takeaways and then like, what is this Tyler hero conundrum that we have going on in the last handful of games? It's funny because I actually came away from this game kind of positive about Tyler. I think there was uh, like, there's always stretches with Tyler where, you know, he's going to have turnovers that he ended up with three in 28 minutes. Not great, not bad uh, for the amount of ball handling he does. I, I don't think it was too bad. I, I mean, he finished 7 of 12, and there was a lot of times where I'm like, okay, he's really getting into the paint and making stuff happen. And in that stretch, to to hop onto what Brady was talking about before with Bam and, and moving quickly, it, it feels like this Heat team, other than Jimmy Butler, is better when the ball is moving quickly, when they're just kind of reading and reacting all the time, mm. especially Bam, right? And not to talk about Bam here, but he was just – my God, one of the most impressive games I've ever seen from him. Just catch and go, looking like an absolute scoring beast. I don't know if he heard our pods. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm messing around. But, like, the way that everybody's been talking about him, for him to respond like this, it's like he, he had to have seen something, right? Because that was one of the best scoring efforts I've ever seen him put together, the way that he was intentionally trying to go out there and make something happen, attacking the basket. Like Ethan likes to say, grab the ball and go. Right. It's really that simple. Like when the game slows down and he's just and, and it's waiting for the handoff or waiting for another play to happen. And then everything slows down and he's waiting. And, and then he takes a, a jumper at the end of the, the shot clock buzzer, which happened a couple of times tonight, by the way. Um, he looks worse. But when it's the ball is moving and guys are constantly moving around, passing, screening, et cetera, he looks a lot better. And I think the same can be said for Tyler. Like he was excelling in that pace. And I feel like although he had his turnovers, he had his mistakes here and there. Like, I think he's just gotten really comfortable at being able to attack no matter who's in front of him, no matter what type of defense they're throwing out. And he's not going to try and force a shot on a Scotty Barnes or an OG without first getting an advantage. Like, I think he really understands when is the time to attack, when is the time to pull up. And he's just putting it all uh, there together. It just sucks that between him and Bam, they weren't able to play more because of that foul trouble they got. Like uh, Jimmy finished at 40 minutes, even though he had a tough game, three of 10. He got to the free throw line 10 times, so that's great. Jimmy does other things, of course. But Bam, 35 minutes. Tyler, 28 minutes. So, you know, that's a, that's a huge part of it right there. Yeah, no, and I actually had um, – I saw some discourse on Twitter related to – the fact that uh, Struess had 33 minutes and Tyler only had 28 minutes. I think that had a lot to do with Tyler's foul trouble and, and trying to preserve him. So I think that that's what you saw there. 
Um, but there's something else going on here and uh, we're not going to avoid it any longer. Um, as I look at Duncan Robinson, I'm just going to go over um, the last few games here. We've got uh, January 29th, Toronto. He played 19 minutes and 55 seconds, had zero points, 05 from the field. At Boston, 26 minutes, six points, two of eight from the field. Tonight, 14 minutes and 33 seconds, 33 seconds, one of six from the field, five points. Um, this is another one of those stretches where they're shying away from him. It's a it's an interesting moment being that the trade deadline is approaching. I'm not going to read too much into that, but Brady, I, I am, I'm at the point where when you're shorthanded like they are tonight and you have a player that you've committed to the way that you have, like, let, let's not even talk about the money. Let's just say that you got a five, you, you, you committed to him for five years and he can't sniff the court at certain points of the season to me, it just doesn't sit well. And, um, and I know we keep harping on it. So it's like, part of me doesn't want to reinvent the wheel and like dissect this further, but I just think that it's really interesting in, on, in a game like tonight, when you didn't, you, you were down bodies already, you didn't see much from Duncan. And I'm interested early on what you saw, because that was really like the, the point that, um, that kind of m made or broke his playing time for the game. What you saw that kind of got Duncan completely out of sorts. Yeah. The reason this game sticks out is we've seen moments like this where they kind of push him to the side. Uh, maybe a Max Strews pops off and he's shooting really well, or a Kayla Martin's having a good shooting night. He shot 27% from three tonight. Like this isn't one of those schemes. This is not a time where they're saying we're going to get production from three in another area that we are just going to do that. This is a team that basically said they're going to go in a total different direction. Even early in this game, they were heavy inside the paint. They were going uh, pretty much away from three of what they usually like to do. And we saw them go to that even more as I talked about the driving kicks, it was just kind of the drives. It wasn't even the kicks because they were going in such a different direction. They were actually getting good looks. A lot of that had to do with Bam kind of getting to the rim as well. But looking at his looks, I think this is, as I said before the game, this is just not a good matchup for him. And I think there are a lot of these type of matchups in a potential first round series. If you look below the, the toward the bottom of the East, there's just a lot of teams that are going to swarm you totally uh, when coming off these handoffs and coming off these screens. When you're a player like Duncan Robinson that literally – Every shot is essentially going to be coming off of a screen. This Toronto team is not the team you want to see because as you see, you have an OG, you have a Scotty, you have a Siakam just basically swarming you, edging these screens and basically daring you to shoot. Uh, there were a couple of times it just comes to the memory of him shooting one-on-one, -on -one just coming off the catch. But the difference is he usually has length over guys where he could shoot over the top of them. He doesn't have the shoot, like the ability to shoot over the top of these guys. He tries, but they are right there on him because they are just as lengthy and tall as him. Uh, it's just a weird dynamic in general. I think maybe part of it from Spo was saying that this isn't the greatest matchup. And I felt like Struess, this is a decent matchup for him because he's basically a guy, as we saw again tonight, he's going to slip a bunch of screens. He's going to do these other things that it fits uh, against the Toronto game plan more than a Duncan. Uh, so I think that was probably part of it. But other than that, it just felt like a really odd scenario to look around and see the way they're shooting. Uh, and if even felt at times, which may sound crazy, when Caleb was in there, it felt like maybe go even total offense, like in a game like this, where you're looking at them shooting bad, put Struce, Duncan, and Tyler out there at the same time, which may sound absolutely terrible for what we're talking about, Tyler getting on it defensively late in this game, but it just felt like with the way the late game offense looked and the way that you're, I felt like even when they were down three, four, five, that they didn't have a chance in this one late, I wouldn't have been 
opposed, let's say, to to kind of going totally offense. Yeah, no, I can see where you were heading in that direction because the offense got, I mean, they were just um, missing shots and it just led to disjointed possession after possession. I'm glad you brought up playoff matchups and this being one that maybe we would want to avoid after the break. I want to talk a little bit about uh, the teams that are down there and what, what are kind of the same things that the heat, the, the common threads in the teams, the heat don't want to see, and maybe some of the matchups we would more want to see, because I don't want to spend too much time on this game. Um, just because it wasn't the heat loss. So, you know, I don't know. We're not going to talk about it that long. And I don't want to see Gary Trent Jr. In the series. I'm going to go on record as saying that uh, you could tell he was hunting for that 30 uh, point game. I think he broke DeMar DeRozan's record for consecutive 30 point games in Toronto Raptors history tonight. So I don't want him in a playoff series, but we're going to talk more about playoff series uh, and also something that, that broke mid game video footage that broke mid game that had heat Twitter buzzing. And I think it should have all heat fans buzzing as we look forward. Uh, but first a word from our sponsors. We'll get back to our episode in a second, but before we do, we talk about our product code all the time. It's five RSN. That's the number five RSN. And that's where you can go. That's what you can use to get discounts on great products. We're going to start with get Salise, get That's to replace your electrolytes in a healthy way. Don't just want to be pounding Gatorade. Go to GetSalise.com. Actually, they're going to be at the Miami Beach Convention Center uh, this week prior to the marathon, so you can check them out there as well. But use their code 5RSN for 10% off. And again, if you're a distance runner, if you play tennis, this is the stuff you need. It's natural, and it's great for you. Also, if you need CBD, go to TherapistPreferred.com. Use that same code 5RSN. That's for the tincture, the gummies, the sports cream. That's for sleep. That's for recovery. TherapistPreferred.com. 25% 25% off with the code 5RSN. And for all of your grooming products, it's manscaped.com. That includes the cologne, the razors. They sell a lot of stuff there on the site. So just check it out. Again, it's manscaped.com. Use the code 5RSN for 20% off there. And for that one, I've got to give you the tagline, your balls and your body will thank you. And now back to the episode. Okay, welcome back to Five on the Floor. Um, I'm joined by Alex Toledo and Brady Hawk. We are taking you through the Miami Heat's 110-106 loss to the Toronto Raptors up in Toronto. Um, They are in game two of a six-game road trip. Their next game is Thursday in uh, San Antonio, followed by a Saturday night game uh, in Charlotte. And then they uh, head on to Washington. So that's kind of what we're looking for in the next uh, week or so. Um, so without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather emergency or time of day, you're the ones who get it done at Granger. We're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call click or just stop by Granger. For the ones who get it done. You talked about matchups in the playoffs and teams they don't want to see. And the playoffs are kind of in like when you look at the top six, they're they're moving a lot and shaking. So I'm gonna I'm gonna discard that part of this right now. Like the the Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Cleveland, Philadelphia, Miami, Chicago. I just read that in inverse order of the standings. Uh, we're just eliminate them. So we're we're talking Charlotte, Toronto, Boston, Atlanta. Um New York's a half game out. Washington's a half game out. Everyone else is nowhere close. So that's the teams we're going to look at. Uh, 
Alex, I'll start with you. Tell me that. So Charlotte, Toronto, Boston, Atlanta, New York, Washington, the three teams you want to see least. Hmm. Well, I guess uh, to do it in reverse order, uh, I guess that's the way you're supposed to do it. Uh, number three for me would be the Celtics because uh, of what Brady was talking about there. One of the, they're one of the teams there that they love to switch a lot. We saw it last game. I mean, they got absolutely destroyed. And obviously they were missing a whole lot. It wasn't a fair sample of what that series would look like, of course. But uh, part of what Brady was talking about there and to lend to his point is that Teams that switch everything have notoriously given the heat problems. Not that they don't have ways that they can solve it. Not that they don't have, you know, built-in counters to solve it. But, yeah, I mean, I just think switching in general gives the heat a lot of problems when it comes to Duncan, when it comes to Tyler. Um, those guys have, like I said, built-in counters around it, but I think the heat would prefer teams in a drop. I think the Celtics have two guys who can really turn it up uh, on a night-to-night -night basis. And even though they've been really underwhelming this season, like they have not been very good at all. That's a team that with the type of size they have, whether like if they're going to be starting Al Horford and Robert Williams, that's going to be hard on Bam. Like it's not going to be the Daniel Tice series again. Uh, I just think uh, even though Bam could turn it up, we saw him flip a switch tonight. He, he could play better than what he did it against the Celtics. Like there's a lot of stuff there that I feel like would bother the Heat. Heat in five though. Uh, <laughs> the second team there is the Hawks. I think they've been another wow. really underwhelming team. I just I still believe in Trey Young more than I do some of these other guys there and, and kind of the, the depth that they have. I feel like they're going to be a team that probably makes a trade coming up in the next uh, couple of weeks. And uh, it, it kind of feels like a team that's going to have a second half run with the, the type of weapons that they have. I just think they, you know, they have enough to really win another series. I don't think it's going to happen because they're going to be um, in the bottom tier again. But and, and not that they're going to beat the Heat at all, but. I just think that's the type of team that got to the conference finals last year for a reason. And it was because they got the Sixers, but no, seriously, yeah. the Hawks are, they're a pretty good team and, and getting them in the first round, just like the Celtics. It's kind of tough, man. Like these, these teams are teams that the, yeah. they have both takeover the conference players. finals. They were yeah. both in the conference finals, like two out of the past three seasons or whatever. And then you, and then lastly for me is the Raptors. Like, I just think we saw why you don't want to play that team again. We haven't seen this team with Lowry against the Raptors. So obviously, uh, that's going to make a huge difference. But I, I just still think like because of that switching stuff I was talking about, because they've got multiple guys with Van Vliet and Siakam and now Gary Trent apparently who can just really go and, and get buckets for themselves or for others out there. Uh, I just think it's going to be, it's going to be a problem for, for the heat, not too much of a problem. I think the heat would ultimately win out, but I feel like a lot of those games could go similar to how they've gone the past couple of where, where, if the Heat are not hitting their threes, because the Raptors are top 10, by the way, and giving up uh, threes and opponent shot distribution, like it just feels like a lot of the stuff gets stuck in the mud. Or you get a, a night like tonight where Bam goes crazy and he has one of the best games he's ever had, then you still can't win, right? Like the, the team is obviously extremely well coached, has a lot of length and size and talent. Obviously, Scotty Barnes is the type of guy who could just go off in the playoffs. He's a, he's a rookie who's been getting better uh, as, as the year goes on. Like, it really screams a team that uh, that can get an upset in the first round. That being said, I don't think the Heat will lose to any I, – I, I don't think they will lose to any of these teams, really. Like, I think a lot would have to go wrong for them to lose to any of these teams. Yeah, I'm not there with Atlanta. I, I don't buy it. Brady, um, 
if you want to chime in on the only other viable option, which would be Charlotte, please do. But of the teams that, um, I may be disrespecting Charlotte a little bit. That's true. I shouldn't because like that would actually be the the one that I would want the most as I just butt in here because they're the closest to where I live. So there would be a playoff series that I could actually cover. So I have vested interest in the Charlotte Hornets falling uh, into whatever seed that is that the heat will be in. But um, I'm interested in your take because I feel like um, and if you want to talk about Charlotte, wax poetic, all you want. But Toronto and Boston are probably the teams that most fans, as they look at this list, would say are the ones that they don't want to see. So from your standpoint, is there one of those two that you would want to avoid most? Um, is there one that you feel particularly good about? Are you aligned with Alex? I'm just I'm interested less about Atlanta, um, New York, Washington, blah, 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 Charlotte, uh, if you got something there, but more about Toronto and Boston, because I think we've identified Cleveland as this team. Hold on here. Wait a minute. We need to go through this. So we don't want to play Philadelphia because we don't have enough bigs for Embiid. Cleveland is too big for us because they're long and blah, blah, blah. Milwaukee is the defending champion, so we don't want to see them. Brooklyn has too much star power, so we don't want to see them. So essentially... And now you guys have talked me out of Toronto and Boston and Alex almost talked <laughs> me out of Atlanta. So essentially you're telling me if we don't play the bulls or the, or the Hornets, we don't feel confident. No, I'm just joking. You see what a three game losing streak can do to our psyche around here. No, I'm say, who is the, Who are you? Right. I know. No, it's late. Um, Ethan has us uh, on the late shift on these late game reaction losses. Uh, uh, Brady, um, Toronto or Boston, who would you rather face of those two teams that present different challenges for Miami? Honestly, in the first round series, I would rather face Boston. Uh, just like what I said, we, he talked about the switching, uh, but they still throw and drop because they're playing two bigs in Orford and Robert Williams. So I think there are gaps there where they can kind of take advantage against the Toronto team. There are no gaps. Like you're playing a 48 minute starting lineup which is just incredible, by the way. You're talking about a team that's going to go through 82 games, basically playing their starting five the entire game. Uh, maybe I'm going to talk myself out of it, saying they're going to be tired by playoff time, but I'm not because it's a bunch of young guys on that team that will probably still be ready to go. Uh, but talking about the three teams, I would say that I'm not as high on uh, Atlanta. I think Charlotte would probably be my three in there just because they wouldn't be as high just because I don't ex trust them experience wise, but I think they are do have that punch offensively that they can get you a game or two uh, potentially just because they're so dynamic in that way. But obviously defensively, I think Miami could actually uh, take advantage of the things that they can against Toronto or Boston. But I will say, I think I'd rather face Boston uh, Toronto. The reason I say that I feel like it's more difficult is just because I I'm totally aligned with Alex saying that they would win. It's just, it would just be such a drawn out first round series. Like when you talk about the heat playing for the long haul and playing to get to the playoffs, and then you're talking about getting uh, possibly being a contender, that is a drawn out series for a heat team because that is a six game series, in my opinion, in a first round. Like it may sound crazy, but that is a team that they can go back and forth as we've seen. Uh, and no game is going to be easy. Like it feels like every game is going to be probably less than a six point game. Like that's just the way it is. It's not going to be, Boston has so has the firepower at the top of their roster that I feel like they can go back and forth certain games. Toronto's going to be a gritty game down at the end every time. So it just feels like uh, I don't really know how it would work out because obviously we don't know how the heat where they're going to land seating wise. But if that was to happen, that would be a, <laughs> probably as rough as it gets in, in terms of a first round seating, just the way these two play. Uh, but also I do want to say when you were mentioning all these other teams, 
I don't think they're scared of obviously the 76ers and obviously Cleveland when you're making that joke. But the more I think about it, I like that matchup. Like I look at them, and I know they have a dynamic five and Embiid, who could probably be the MVP if he keeps playing this way. But I like when Miami can kind of take advantage of guys who play inside the arc, especially come playoff time when it comes down to half court offense, half court defense. They can send doubles. They can figure out ways that I feel more comfortable that than these perimeter teams. Then you look at these, the other bowls, the nets and these other teams, I think they feel more comfortable in that way. Similar thing to Cleveland, like Cleveland's gotten the best of them with length, but in the playoff series, that's just kind of a different beast. I think they can find counters to that as well. So just looking through the matchups, it's interesting. Yeah. They're on a bit of a losing streak, uh, but we kind of do have to remember that. I feel like we're forgetting that Kyle Lowry's on this team in a lot of ways, because the offense is not going to be like this for long. The late game offense, I feel like is problematic and needs to get better but they probably won't be in a lot of these late game situations if they have the offensive impact to Kyle Lowry. I'm with you. Heat and five against all them teams and especially set the 76ers bring that series on. Alex was rubbing his hands together. Like he had some hot takes ready to fire out the cannon. So I want to give him his just due as it relates to the top of the Eastern conference. Cause that's when he was looking like he had uh food. Well, actually, I was just rubbing my hands together when Brady started talking about the Sixers and, and the type of things that the Heat could throw out there at Embiid because that's I think that's what Spo is doing when he thinks about matching up versus that Sixers team in the playoffs, the way they're currently built, just to say, is right. that I think he's, he's rubbing his hands together. It's like, go ahead. I want to see Embiid, like, try to beat all these different coverages we're going to throw at him. Like, make him beat me and our team as a playmaker. Go ahead. Like, show it to me because I just don't believe it. Obviously, like, and B has gotten even better. The dude is a monster. As much as I'd love to talk crap about him in the Sixers, um, it's it's more it's mostly for fun. And Bede is a beast, but I, I really do believe that um, the Heat just have all sorts of things that they can throw at him. Especially like you know, if the Sixers don't land a CJ McCollum or another real like All Star caliber player like that that you throw into the mix that can change things up, I just don't think they have enough. Like with or without Ben Simmons, right? I think the Sixers are a type of team that. It's kind of looking like a first round out this year, even though what's, what Embiid has done, the fact that they're now like right up there in the top of the East is pretty damn impressive. I don't think, I didn't think they were going to do this, but I still think it comes down to Brooklyn and Milwaukee when we're really talking about playoff matchups. So yeah, no, I'm with you in Cleveland, like whatever, like I'm scared we'll, of Cleveland. Like if, if it's yeah. any of these teams, it's Toronto. That's really going to push them. I that's feel so like. funny. Cause that, cause that could actually be one of the, those matchups. Um, uh, Brady, did you want to jump in? I saw you come off mute real quick. Just want to give you the shot before I wrap here with, uh, because we're going to wrap on a good note. So just know I, that, but Brady, go ahead. I just wanted to say that it's good to see that we turned a three game losing streak pod after a loss in Toronto into Philly slander. So I just wanted to say that we really <laughs> yes, looped yes. that full circle. You're right. You see, so we stay true to our brand here on five on the floor. So ultimately the heat lose 110, 106 to, uh, the Toronto Raptors, uh, Bam Adebayo, 32 points, 11 rebounds. It's uh, 13th double-double of the season. Uh, Jimmy Butler was two rebounds shy of a triple-double. Uh, Eric Spolster was quoted after the game as saying, we didn't do the little things, the tough things. Uh, I think, like Brady, to your point, Toronto would be a long series. I don't want to see that either. Um, but so let we're, we're, we're moving on from that because in the middle of the game, and bear with me as I scroll through, folks, uh, you guys know I scroll on pods because I know that y'all um, think that that is quality podcasting at 9.18 p.m. Bally Heat. So that's Bally Sports, Suns Heat. 
um, they tweeted out video of a two-on-two with Mr. Victor Oladipo playing. And uh, people were making fun of recent practice footage of him just kind of, you know, throwing up hook shots, whatever. It didn't look that impressive. These highlights looked impressive. And he looks close. Like, to bring him out onto the court so that they can get that footage and put it on, the, on, on TV, that means he's close, fellas. Uh, you just wrote a piece, Brady, on Victor Oladipo and the implications of him. So I'll start with you because we're ending this podcast on a, on a high note. Uh, tell me just what you saw in that clip. I know like we're not going to dissect minute 14 clips and like go into what this means for them in game five of the NBA finals. But man, it felt good to see Depot, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think the biggest thing to me uh Playing one-on-ones, playing two-on-two is probably the most important thing when you talk about what he can bring to this Heat team. Because if he develops that, uh, something I talked about in that piece the whole time was about his driving ability. It just feels like that's the biggest thing when you look and we tie it back to what we've been talking about in this pod, like late game offense and the different parts. Uh, I think the biggest thing is when you're trying to unlock Tyler Hero, make him your third attacker instead of your second. Like that feels like the bigger thing, the bigger picture here when you're talking about uh, the things they can run. Victor Depot. We can talk about him not being 100% possibly or not having that full burst. But when watching Victor Oladipo, even his time in Miami for that short stint or before that, he's not a player that just thrives heavily off burst. Like he's just a pretty finesse player that goes through as an attacker, kind of slow. He gets to the, gets to the free throw line, as we saw, uh, I think, three out of the four games. Yeah, crafty. Uh, so I think that's just an interesting part that if he can bring that, it's not only about it's just more about re-injury than kind of percentage wise of uh, what he can bring. It just, if he's kind of fully healthy and he doesn't have a re-injury high percentage, then that's all you need because I'm looking at this game and looking at these other games that they have enough shooting, even though they shot 27% tonight from three, that they have enough shooting to get around. But if you add that kind of Swiss army knife that can do so many different things and you talk about uh, Caleb and Gabe being that on ball pressure, but you have Victor Oladipo who's so good at just navigating screens off the ball uh, and can be so many different things for for an Eric Spolster offense that it just feels like, as we've said before, he's the perfect player to kind of plug into this team with what they need. Alex, you saw the Debo clip, right? I'm not surprising you, am I? No, absolutely. I retweeted it. That's how that's how good it was to see. I, I Jeremy I knew what he was doing when he put that out there. Shout out to Jeremy for getting that out into the uh, the Twitter absolutely. space because he knew that we were going to take that and run with it. Yeah, that's my guy. Um, shout out to Jeremy and shout out to Victor Oladipo, man. I'm happy that he's looking like he's he's going to be back soon. Like, I agree with you. I don't think the Heat and Valley Sports and them would put that out for no reason. Like, they know what they know what's going on, man. And they've also said it. They've kind of hinted that he's been kind of on his way back a little bit. He's been on that that comeback path. And obviously, we saw those videos last week that were, that were going up at practice. And now we see this like these are patterns. These are patterns to watch out for. Who knows when it, it's the first day of February. It's the first day of February. This is the month that everybody's been waiting for when it comes to Victor Oladipo. Like we're getting towards all-star break. It's looking like he might be back within the month. And I just think it will be a huge addition because the pressure wouldn't be on him. Like we've talked about in other pods to come out and have to score a bunch, have to play, make a bunch, have to defend a bunch. Like his contributions as long as he doesn't look like a negative out there, I think he's going to be like just a really seamless addition to what they do, especially we're talking about just like the, the read and react stuff. I think he excels in that. I think he's really good at kind of just making stuff happen, getting, getting into the pain, obviously, like we talked about creating for others. I think like Brady was talking about there as the years have gone by, 
even though some of the athleticism with the injuries has dipped a little bit, he's gotten craftier and craftier, not only as like a finisher and the finishing angles that he takes and like he, he gets creative there, but he also, I think likes to, to get like uh, jump shots and different types of looks now. Like, you know, it's not just set shots for him. Like I think he, he can come off a curl and hit a, and hit a pull-up mid-range shot if it's there, if, if a if a big drops, for example. I just think that he's a versatile type of scorer that they can use off the bench, even if he doesn't, you know, he's not a 20-point-per-game scorer or anything like that. He's going to be an upgrade over some of these guys that they're playing. Like, he's just that talented. Upgrade. Ooh, what a word to close with. Um, So the things I'll be watching for the next few games, I'm watching how Spolstra deals with Duncan Robinson. All I'll say is that um, if there were one person in the Miami heat organization that would, that would say I am reluctant to trade Duncan Robinson, it's Eric Spolstra. And I think that if the front office went to him and said, listen, we have moves to make, these are the moves that can be made. Um, What will it take? I think that that's the guy they have to convince if they're ever going to make a trade with Duncan Robinson. And uh, Maybe so, we're gonna listen see, to him. so we're going to see what happens here. And, um, and, you know, it's just going to be interesting to see. I hope that he breaks out of this slump. The minutes thing is it's ominous to me, um, but maybe I'm just, uh, maybe I'm just stirring up narrative around the trade deadline and people will come after me on the timeline. Thank you for joining us on five on the floor tonight. Um, hopefully the next time you hear us, it'll be after a heat victory. Good night. Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.